Chapter 18 of Nan Sherwood at Pine Camp. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carmen H. Nan Sherwood at Pine Camp by Annie Rowe Carr. Chapter 18 At Date Man's Band. Nan and her uncle came out on the bluff that overlooked the sharp bend which hid the upper reaches of the river from Pine Camp across the stream almost from bank to bank a string of gravel flats made a barrier that all the rivermen feared blackton was no careless manager and he had a good foreman in tim turner the big boss had ridden down to the bend in a mud splash budgy and was even prepared to take a personal hand in the work if need be the foreman was coming down the river bank on the pine camp side of the stream watching the leading locks of the drive and directing the foreguard. Among the latter, Nan spied Rafe. There he is, uncle, she cried. Oh, he's jumped out on that log, see? He's all right, girl, he's all right, said Uncle Henry comfortingly. Rafe's got good cocks on his boots. The boys sprang from log to log, the cocks making the chips fly, and with a cant hook, pushed off a log that had caught and swung upon a small bank. He did it very cleverly and was back again, across the barking logs, in half a minute. Below, the foreman himself was making for a grounded log, one of the first of the drive. It had caught upon some snack and was swinging broadside out into the stream. Let two or three more timbers catch with it and there would be the nucleus of a jam that might result in much trouble for everybody. Tim Turner leaped spaces of eight and ten feet between the logs, landing secure and safe upon the stranded log at last. With the heavy cant hook, he tried to start it. That's a good man, Tim Turner, said Mr. Sherwood heartily. He's worked for me, isn't afraid of anything. Ha, ah, but that's wrong, he suddenly exclaimed. Turner had failed to start the stranded log. Other logs were hustling down the foam straked river, aimed directly for the stranded one. They would begin to pile up in a heap in a minute. The foreman leaped to another log, turning as he did so to face the shawl. That was when Uncle Henry declared him wrong. Turner was swinging his free arm, and above the roar of the river and the thunder of the grinding and smashing logs, they could hear him shouting for somebody to bring him an axe. One of his men leaped to obey. Nan and Mr. Sherwood did not notice just then who this second man was to put himself in jeopardy, for both had their gaze on the foreman and that which menaced him. Shooting across on a slant was a huge log, all of three feet through at the butt, and it was aimed for the timber on which Turner stood. He did not see it. Smaller logs were already piling against the timber he had left, and had he leaped back to the stranded one, he would have been comparatively safe. Mr. Sherwood was quick to act in such an emergency as this, but he was too far from the spot to give practical aid in saving Turner from the result of his own heedlessness. He made a horn of his two hands and shouted to the foreguard at the foot of the bluff. He's going into the water. Launch Fred Durgin's boat below the bend. Get her. Quick. There. Old riverman that he was, Uncle Henry was pretty sure of what was about to happen. The huge log came tearing on, but first, a wave of troubled water split by its own rush. 
Turner was watching the person bringing him the axe, and never once threw a glance over his shoulder. Suddenly Nan cried out and seized Uncle Henry's arm. Look, oh uncle, it's Rafe, she gasped, pointing. Ay, I know it, said her uncle, wonderfully cool, Nan thought, and casting a single glance at the figure flying over the barking logs toward the endangered foreman. He'll do what he can. Nan could not take her eyes from her cousin after that. It seemed to be a race between Rafe and the charging log to see which should first reach the foreman. Rafe, reckless and hair-brained as he was, flew over the logs as sure-footed as a goat. Nan felt faint. Her cousin's peril seemed far greater to her than that of the foreman. A step might plunge Rafe into the foaming stream. When a log rolled under him, she cried out under her breath and clamped her teeth down onto her lower lip until the blood almost came. He'll be killed, he'll be killed, she kept repeating in her own mind. But Uncle Henry stood like a rock and seemingly gave no more attention to his son than he did to Turner, or to the men running down the bank to seize upon and launch the heavy boat. Rafe was suddenly balked and had to stop. Too great a stretch of water separated him from the next floating log. Turner beckoned him on. It was difficult to make the four men hear above the noise of the water and the continual grinding of the logs, but Rafe yelled some warning and pointed toward the timber now almost upon Turner's foothold. The man shot a glance behind him. The butt of the driving log rose suddenly into the air as though it would crush him. Turner leaped to the far end of the log on which he stood, but too great a distance separated him from the log on which Rafe had secured a foothold. Crash! Nan heard on top of the bluff the impact of the great timber as it was flung by the current across the smaller log. Turner shot into the air as though he were flung from a catapult, but he was not flung in Rafe's direction, and the boy could not help him. He plunged into the racing stream and disappeared. The huge timber rode over the smaller log and buried it from sight, but its tail swung around and the great log was headed straight down the river again. As it smaller and swung near, Rafe leaped for it and secured a footing on the rolling, plunging log. How he kept his feet under him, Nan could not imagine. A bareback rider in a circus never had such work as this. Rafe rode his wooden horse in masterly style. There, ahead of him in the boiling flirt, an arm and head appeared. Turner came to the surface with his senses unimpaired, and he strove to clutch the nearest log. But the stick slipped away from him. Rafe ran forward on the plunging timber he now rode the huge stick that had made all the trouble, and tried to reach the man in the water. No use. Of course, there was no way for Rafe to guide his log toward the drowning man, nor did he have anything to reach out for Turner to grasp. The axe handle was not long enough, and the foreman's can-hook had disappeared. Below, the man was struggling to get the big boat out from under the bank into the stream. Two of them stood up with their can-hooks to fend off the drifting logs. The others plied the heavy oars. But the boat was too far from the man in the river. He was menaced on all sides by plunging logs. He barely escaped one to be grazed on the shoulder by another. A third pressed him under the surface again, but as he went down this second time, Rafe Sherwood threw away his axe and leaped into the flirt. End of chapter 18